Hello my friends, this is Gregory Maloof from Wednesday Wake Up. Just wanted to give you a heads up that in this episode we have special guest Doyle Banks. Doyle Banks is going to be talking about compassionate communication and wise speech. Doyle is a Dharma teacher and a transformation trainer and coach. He's also the creator of the Empathy Advantage. If you want to find out more about Doyle, you can go to doylebanks.com. I also wanted to plop into your present moment here and talk about our fall retreat, Anicca Thriving in the Flow of Change. The retreat will be held on November 6th from 9 to 4 Pacific Time. If you can't join us for the live event, don't worry. All folks who register will get access to the retreat as a self-paced course after the event. In this retreat, we're going to talk about several important things related to Buddhism. First of all, we're going to reframe change as an opportunity for personal growth, psychological healing, and of course, awakening. We're also going to use meditation and learn various skills to tap into our inner resources, our strength, and our resilience in order to get our spiritual and emotional needs met in spite of all the craziness and upheaval we are seeing in the world today. And lastly, you will be gaining new skills that allow you to initiate long overdue changes more quickly more effectively and with greater confidence. I'm really looking forward to this retreat. You can sign up now at wednesdaywakeup.com under the retreat tab. May you all be well and safe. I'm going to refer to this as compassionate communication. That's a synonym. Or you might hear me say NVC, which is the acronym for nonviolent communication. I want to take a minute, though, and just extend my gratitude to my Dharma grandma, Ruth Dennison, whose work and generosity uh, has made it possible, along with other folks like Robert and my spiritual best friend forever, Gregory, and several others, made it possible for me to be here with you today. So any merit I may gain from this May it be to Ruth's and all my benefactors' benefit. So, how do we deal with exclusion and how do we create inclusion with the Dharma and with compassionate communication? Well, I think it's helpful, first of all, just to kind of take stock of kind of where the world seems to be right now. And the way I look at the world, it seems to me that we've got this cultural background of a whole bunch of isms. We have racism working against uh, against us in terms of keeping us divided, uh, anti-black sentiment, anti-Asian, anti-Hispanic. We've got things like ageism and sexism, nationalism, conservatism, and good old liberalism, all of which put us into these tribes or these uh, divisions of humanity and and create the disconnection that we experience. When we think about what stimulates othering, I want us to look at it through two lenses, one the Dharma and then the lens of compassionate communication. Now if you're wondering why I'm showing you a, a picture of beautiful giraffes, it's because Marshall chose the giraffe as the metaphor for compassionate communication. One of the reasons he chose was because it, giraffes have the largest hearts of the land mammals. One reason the metaphor works for me is you can see that tree behind the giraffe on the, the right, 
uh, I believe that's an acai tree. I think that's how you pronounce it, and I, I might be wrong on that. But those trees have big old honking thorns on them, you know, and the giraffes can take, you know, and grab a mouthful of the leaves and the, the twigs and stuff, even with the thorns, and with their dental structure and the chemistry of their saliva and digestive systems, they can break down those thorns and create nutriment for themselves. So if we think of this in terms of our contact with one another, when we come into conflict and there's disconnection and separation and exclusion, well, we have this tool available that enables us to take other people's thorns or whatever they might be offering us, you know, anger, jealousy, envy, whatever it might be, we can take that and break it down and create spiritual nutriment for ourselves and that we can offer back to them. And I'll show you how this is done as we go through. The three unwholesome roots are culprits or factors in why we disconnect and get separated from each other. And of course, I'm talking about ignorance, greed, and hatred. When we when we don't understand things like karma and the Four Noble Truths and goodwill versus ill will and so on, then we're almost destined to live in conflict and to end up creating lots of suffering through exclusion and division. Thankfully, we have this tool available to us, compassionate communication. When Marshall put this together, developed it, he realized that we create othering through dehumanization. And we do this through what he called the four D's of disconnection. The first D is diagnosis. So have you ever had someone in your life who just love to tell you everything they think about you? I've had that, oh, at least once in my life. And, you know, they'll go down their list when they're riled up with you. You know, you're this and you're that. And then we see this on the broader scale, you know. So we we tend to diagnose one another. There's also the D of deserve. We tend to think sometimes any non-Christian deserves hell or any person who doesn't agree with my political view uh, you know doesn't deserve whatever I'm not I'm not coming up with a good example off the top of my head here but you get the idea then there's denial of one's responsibility this can sound like oh it was just my job or I was just doing what I was told and we don't take responsibility then for our actions and the the results of those actions. And then finally, there's demanding. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been around uh, a toddler or a teenager, but if you have and you've tried demanding something of them, you know how that comes out, don't you? And um, most of the time, it ain't pretty. And the same thing goes when we try to make demands of, of each other, whether it's in our marriages or at work, in our work relationships, or wherever it might be. It just doesn't work because people will either acquiesce 
or they'll rebel, or they'll acquiesce for a little bit just to fake you out, and then they'll rebel, right? So when we're walking around in ignorance, greed, and hatred, and we're, we're in mindsets where we use diagnosis, deserve, denial, and demand, we can't help but create disconnection and exclusion. So that begs the question then, how do we create connection? How do we get to we in our relationships? Well, briefly, with the framework of the Dharma, we know that we can develop our moral and ethical behavior. That goes a long way, getting us, we ourselves, in our, aligned with our hearts and minds. We can develop our generosity. We can practice meditation so that, again, we are aligning our minds and our hearts, and we're cultivating characteristics like peace and joy and truthfulness and so on in our lives. We can practice and really comprehend or directly know the Four Noble Truths. We can develop the Noble Eightfold Path. We can familiarize ourselves with things like codependent co-arising and how it works and use that as a tool in how we relate to ourselves and by extension then how we relate to people. In the compassionate communication model, Marshall conceived it as having four components, which are those letters at the bottom of the screen. We, we use the term oftener uh, is how you pronounce that. And the O stands for observation. The F stands for feelings. By feelings in compassionate communication, we're talking about emotions. N stands for needs. And you'll hear me use the synonyms wants or desires or longings as well. And then the R stands for requests. Now, compassionate communication is this methodology and consciousness that we can learn and apply to, quote, make life more wonderful. That was a standard quote that Marshall used in pretty much every presentation. He uses it in the, in the book. And it becomes, you know, when you start hanging around NVC people, it becomes kind of a slogan, right? And the idea is I can train my heart and mind I can learn this, this skill, and in applying it, I make my own life one, more wonderful, and then I can help, I can contribute to others in ways that will help make their lives more wonderful. One Buddhist teacher I know uh, has called compassionate communication the hands and feet of the Dharma. And I really like that, the hands and feet. Uh, one of my early NVC trainers or compassionate communication trainers, uh, who also was a practicing meditator, he made the remark to me that the Dharma gives us the what and the why. Compassionate communication gives us the how. And I've really found that to be true, uh, both in my own life and I've seen it work that way uh, in my students' lives as well. We create connection by developing the skill of empathy. And empathy then gets us to or points us to 
compassion. Some people, I, I hear people get con- empathy conflated with compassion. Empathy is a learnable skill that the vast majority of human beings are capable of learning. There are There is a teeny tiny segment of humanity whose physical brains, and neuroscience has discovered this, their physical brains uh, has a certain part that's not wired for empathy. They just don't have the capacity to learn empathy and to develop compassion. But the vast, vast majority of us, we do have this capability. So I want to walk you through the five steps of creating connection. We'll talk first about choosing to connect and then how to employ self-empathy. And that's actually two steps there. And then how to employ empathy by listening to the feelings and needs of the other, the other human being. One uh, NBC trainer, uh, Nikki Kashtan from the Bay Area, she all often liked to kind of set us up, for, you know, especially people brand new to compassionate communication. And she would set this exercise up where, you know, pretend you're in conflict with somebody and make the radical assumption that that other person is a human being. And it always kind of cracked me up. But, you know, that's how we get into the othering and the disconnection is we forget, right, that we're the person or the people sitting, standing across from us are also precious human beings. All right. When we start talking about choosing connection, we want to be sure to put our attention on the one thing. Now, if you remember the 1991 movie City Slickers, there there was a character named Curly, and Curly always liked to talk about the one thing. Now, his one thing was a little bit different than what I'm going to share with you here, but you get the point. So what I tell my students is, before you open your mouth when somebody quote, makes you mad, which people really can't make us mad, but that's a whole other class. When you get stimulated, you want to pause and ask yourself this question. Do I want to connect or be correct? Do I want to create connection with this other precious human being? Or do I want to win, power over, show them who's right, you know, be the last man standing or woman or non-binary person? Right, So we want to ask ourselves, do I want to connect or be correct? One of my students recently shared with me another version of this, which I really like. She said, ask yourself, do you want to be right or be reconciled? I don't know about you all, but I've had time in my life where I didn't get along with two of my three adult children very well. And developing this as my mindset, my attitude, really helped me. It helped me bite my tongue when I wanted to prove my point or prove myself or justify myself kind of thing. I would just keep going back, okay, be quiet, work on connection. And things have worked out really well by my doing that. I can happily say I'm reconciled with with them and uh, enjoy really beautiful relationships now with all three of my adult children. Now, if you sit down with this question and kind of stew it in the context of the Dharma, 
there's just so much dharma implied in this question. And I'll just give you one little example. If you think about this, then it brings to mind wise view and understanding how we create kama vipaka with our speech, right? I don't know about you, but I've got lots and lots, hours, maybe days of example of how to create bad vipaka with my speech. But fortunately, I'm getting more and more good stories about how I've created you know, goodwill and, and good karma, good vipaka uh, with wise speech. Next step is self-empathy. And we can ask, how does this work? Well, first of all, it can be difficult to offer empathy to someone else if our own resources are low. So I put this first, and when I teach it, I put self-empathy first, and Marshall put it first in the sequencing in, the, in his book because it's really important, especially if we're in a relationship where there tends to be a lot of reactivity, it's really important that we get centered and fill up our own compassion needs, our own compassion tanks. Wayne Dyer used to say, you know, it's really hard to give away what you don't have. So if I'm undersourced with self-empathy and with compassion for myself, it's going to be really hard for me to even want to try to offer that to the other person. So the first step is to identify my emotions, my feelings. So let's say I'm out on I-5 at rush hour and I look up in my rear view mirror and all I can see are two big headlights and a grill and no space between the back of my car and the front of the truck and back of me. Depending on how much meditation I did that day or not, uh, I might feel some anger. If I get below the anger, I'm feeling a lot of fear, right? And I'm maybe feeling frustration, confusion, and probably a few other things in there. I recognize, okay, observation is truck is closer to my back end of my car than I, I like. I'm scared to death. Then I want to follow that feeling, that emotion, to the underlying need. Now, generally speaking, positive emotions indicate that our needs are met. Negative emotions will reveal to us that we've got some unmet needs that have been activated. You know, in my car on I-5 scenario, I want to, now I'm not going to be doing this while I'm driving. I'll, you know, get away from the truck, get home, you know, pull into my driveway and then process this. But as I process it, then I get down to, okay, what were my needs? Well, safety is an obvious one and wanting to get home in one piece, uh, wanting to stay out of the hospital, uh, wanting to keep my car intact, you get the idea. So lots of unmet needs in that moment when that truck was so close to my car, right? Now, unmet needs are pain points in our lives. We're generally aversive or averse to, to pain. And what we'll, we'll tend to do is we'll tend to jump to strategies to try to make the pain go away. And if we're doing this without mindfulness, without discernment, wisdom, 
compassion for ourselves, we're going to tend to choose unskillful strategies. By unskillful, what I mean is we'll tend to choose strategies that are, are going to add to our suffering, our misery, our stress and distress, and our unease. And they're not going to get us to even temporary happiness, much less long-term or the, the ultimate happiness. One other thing I want to mention here, Marshall, uh, the reason for the, the heart is Marshall said that needs are the heart of compassionate communication. This is because when we get in touch with our own needs and the needs of the other person or people, that's when empathy unlocks that compassion. And think about this. You're in a, let's say you're in a grocery store. It's kind of crowded. And a couple aisles over, you hear this shrill wail of a little ch child who's gotten separated from their mom. What do you feel? You at least feel concern, right? You might even have a little jolt of fear. And you immediately have the sense that this child is in distress. And what happens to your heart? Do you think, oh, I wish somebody would shut that kid up? No, your heart just floods with compassion, right? Oh, I wonder what's wrong. I wonder how I could help, you know, that kind of thing. So when you sense that opening of your heart, that's, that's what we're talking about. You know, and you ex you have the empathy almost hardwired in there, and you go right into compassion. In other situations, we have to work at it. So we have to think about, okay, what am I feeling? What does that tell me about what I'm needing? And when we touch the the deepest need, I like to call it, in that given situation, our hearts will open up with compassion for ourselves and will generally experience some calming, coming back to calm, our breathing generally slow down. We might even take a big, deep breath and let out a big, long sigh. Uh, sometimes it might, we might even be moved to tears you know, as we experience directly that the energy of that unmet need that we have. Each of these aspects, uh, when I teach the class, the, each of these are a two-hour module or two-hour class. So there's a whole lot more I could say about all of this, but we'll, we'll keep moving. Once we've connected with our own unmet needs, then we want to offer empathy to the other precious human being. And how does that work? Well, <clears throat> no surprise, probably. We want to listen for their emotions, their feelings. In Compassionate Communication, Marshall teaches us to use what he calls reflective listening. That is, we repeat back what the other person is telling us about what they feel. And it's not an exact word-for-word -word mimicking, um, but it's, it's more like maybe a paraphrase, but using as many of the words that they've said that we can remember and it assures them that, one, we're present, that we care, and that we're listening and we're interested in what they're trying to tell us. Sometimes people really don't know what they feel. 
maybe your partner comes home from work and their boss has given them some kind of reprimand and they're all riled up and they're talking about, you know, they're diagnosing that boss, telling you all the things they think about that person and how awful it is to work there and so forth and so on. All they know is they're just riled up. So you can offer back a guess. Sounds like you're really frustrated or sounds like you're totally exasperated or we might put it in more of a question format, you know, are you angry? Uh, now, some people will tell me, well, wouldn't that be kind of obvious? And yeah, you know, it, it kind of would. But sometimes just to have somebody reflect that back, it's like, oh yeah, I really am angry. And on one level, they, they already know it, but it kind of helps them become more mindful of it. So we listen for their feelings, we reflect those back, and then we listen for their needs and we reflect those back. So oftentimes, people don't even realize what it is they're needing or, or wanting. So again, we offer a guess, and it really helps. The technique uh, works really well if you can tie the emotion to the feeling. So in that situation where my partner comes home all riled up from work, I might say, you know, I might listen a little while and say, wow, you know, I, I, I hear how frustrated you are. And it sounds like you really wanted some support from your boss or, you know, whatever would make sense to guess. And if that's the biggest need, it'll help them kind of stop and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I really do. Yeah, I'm not getting the support I want from my boss. Sometimes you'll make a guess and it's, quote unquote, the wrong need, meaning it's it's not the one that's really activated for them. And almost always, uh, even a person who doesn't study and practice compassionate communication, they'll come back with the need. But if you would ask them, you know, what they were needing, they, they wouldn't be able to tell you. So I might guess to my partner, you know, sounds like you're really frustrated because you want support. And they might stop and say, no, it's, it's not really support. You know, I just want some respect. Boom. They start experiencing some compassion for themselves. And when you see and feel that energy of that connecting with that need, it stirs up even more compassion in your heart. So that's kind of the mechanics of, of how self-empathy and empathy works. So by combining the truth of the Buddha's Dharma with an effective skill set like compassionate communication, we discover that we, we can create conditions for connection and inclusion, harmony, uh, generosity, you know, mutual respect, uh, shared reality. Uh, we seem to be missing that a lot in our world today. Uh, there's, you know, depending on which political group you're listening to, um, or if you listen to them talk past each other, you realize, man, there's just not much shared reality happening there. When we understand what karma is, how it works, and we commit to, we, that is, we choose to resolve wisely to cultivate goodwill and wisdom and mindfulness and compassion in our interactions, then we increase the chances 
that connection can actually happen. Doesn't guarantee it. And yet, I've found in my own experience, and I hear back from my students, that we find ourselves winning in win-win situations more and more and more often, the better we get at using this skill. And the better we get at holding mindfully you know, our capacity and growing our capacity for compassion. Growing our capacity to hold everyone's needs as important, as valuable, and really seeing and hearing one another. One of the beautiful things about compassionate communication is that the other person or people don't even have to know and practice it. You know, if I can get myself resourced, be really present, and, you know, being curious and lean in and really try to hear what they're telling me about their feelings and their needs, then I can reflect that back and when they experience really being heard, me putting enough value in them to give them the courtesy of, of listening, it just melts barriers and creates this openness and this healthy, beautiful vulnerability in which we can really come together then and seek out strategies that will serve the most needs. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Gregory, I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate this and appreciate you. So thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.